titled The Wonder of Christmas, and we're going to touch on a different topic each and every week during our study of The Wonder of Christmas. But before we go there, um, I want you guys to understand uh, something. My faith has been renewed in humanity. And here's why. Um, Last week, I mentioned that if I only had a buzzer up here on this pulpit, I would just be in heaven. To just, you know, just... My faith has been renewed in humanity because, you know, sometimes as a pastor, you wonder if people are actually hearing you and if they're listening to what it is you're saying. You pour in all week long to come and you deliver this matter of minutes long address in the hopes that someone is listening. Someone is listening. Because I don't have one. I have two buzzers. This is the sport version, and this is the SUV. They both work. Does anybody ever remember the movie Crocodile Dundee? Where he says, this is a knife, and I'm not afraid to use it. These are buzzers. And I'm not afraid to use them. (laughs) I want to say thank you to my uncle, Ron. And I want to say thank you to my sister-in-law, Janetta, for the buzzers. Now, keep in mind that I'm only partially lifted up in my faith because if that's what you're hearing, I'm concerned. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, yeah, Ron's back there going... You know, it's like, wow. We have a prayer request to pray over after the service today. Tanner, will you come here and take this and be ready with this at the end of service to pray over it? Kelly Sims has asked us to please have the church pray for her because she's been sick with the flu for three weeks and needs prayer. Uh, She wanted to come to church, but that's not going to happen this week. Uh, So uh, we need to pray for Kelly at the end of service. Amen? So with that said, Tanner, just be Johnny on the spot for me, will you? Uh, The wonder of Christmas. Has everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving? Matthew is enthusiastic. I'm glad to see that. We had a fantastic time up at Gary and Barbara's house, and uh, uh, it was just pure delicious. No buzzers involved there at all. So, But now we're on the fast track headed toward Christmas. Is, are, is everybody ready for Christmas? Okay, we have some people heartily amening. We've got some... Eh. This internet age, uh, online buying, shopping thing is a double-edged sword because, number one, it keeps you out of the malls and the Metroplex, 
but number two, it keeps you out of the malls and the metroplex. And what I mean by that is that when you're sitting around the house um, uh, singing the song, Bad Boys, Bad Boys, because you're watching cops instead of going Christmas shopping, you end up with a less than a holiday in, uh, uh, infused uh, a feeling about the entire shopping experience. As a matter of fact, I had a particular um, um, need for my personal Christmas uh, this year, and Melissa told me, um, go get it all yourself. So she actually wrapped it all, and I'm supposed to go, oh, look. Oh, look. Because I bought it all. If turnaround is fair play, I have no idea what to get my wife for Christmas. Ever. As a matter of fact, I've bought her some cool things. Just to have them exchanged or returned. So needless to say, I am not good at this. Um, so she said, um, I've got some things picked out for you to get me for Christmas. Do you want me to just buy them, or do you want me to send the links to you? And I said, no, just go ahead and buy them. So there's all kinds of surprises at the Bedard household this coming Christmas. With that said, seeing that there is no mystery whatsoever, with respect to the wonder of Christmas, this week we're going to be talking about the element of love and if curiosity killed the cat, and I'm not sure exactly the roots of that story, but if curiosity killed the cat, um, it, it, it may have had a bad outcome for the feline. And I'm not certain if he was curious nine times or the last one was just the ninth time. I don't know. Does everybody get that reference? Just please, okay, no one laughed, and I'm thinking, they don't, okay, wow. But being curious is one of the traits as human beings that can help some people experience the love of God and the subsequent relationship that God desires to enjoy, have us enjoy with Him. Curiosity. What is this God thing? The question is, is normally we are very, very... We're not necessarily always good at piquing people's curiosity with Jesus. And we need to improve on that, amen? Staying curious, as believers here, when we read and hear the stories from the Bible, for example, since we're in this season, like the Christmas story, being curious about this can open completely new perspectives and it can open our understanding to the wonder of Christmas and how all this came about in brand new ways. How many of you come to church during the Christmas season wondering, or maybe you have in the past, is there going to be anything new preached this year? I have one honest human being. pastor i would never think that well try being the pastor let's take a look why don't we just take a look at the christmas story again this morning and for the next five weeks 
And let's begin maybe to open our eyes with a new lens of curiosity and see how God may want us to experience this thing afresh and anew. Let's open to Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin in the first verse. We're going to read through verse 14. If you don't have a Bible or you don't have a Bible app, uh, it will be behind me. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen. Now, this young lady, this angel actress uh, that was preparing for the nativity scene in our video, um, she modeled some wonderfully curious questions uh, that engage our minds and hearts with some degree of rawness and texture of the Christmas story that perhaps we don't normally consider during this season. For example, how did Mary share the news of her pregnancy with her parents? How did she do that? When she did that, What was she feeling at the time? How did such a divine message from the angel to this teenage mother-to-be impact the way she would then on relate to God himself? What did a command not to be afraid? Now remember what you're seeing here. You're just your run-of-the-mill teenage girl And all of a sudden, you have an angel of the Lord show up in front of you. What did a command like, 
do not be afraid, really do, to her internal fears. That Mary must, I mean, it's inevitable. She had to have been feeling these fears in those days of her pregnancy. Historically, pregnancies outside of wedlock at that point in history, not smiled on. So what does don't be afraid actually do to her? These are all questions, curiosities that we as humans, let's be honest, we can relate to with respect to our human nature and our just humanity in our simple, plain, daily human story, which in turn can impact how we relate to God. Has God ever shown up at your doorstep and said, hey, don't be afraid, but you're going to do something you can't even possibly imagine? Jazz hands. How would that affect you? You, water, blown out of the water. Did anybody follow that little analogy? Okay, good. I'm thinking, stick to the script, Bedard. Just stick to the script. One of the observations we can see is that the wonder of Christmas is expressed through the fact that God made the first move in loving us by sending His only Son, Jesus. That is a profound theological fact. When God sends a messenger and says, don't be afraid, it's because God has made the first move of love toward us. And not just us collectively, toward us as individuals. John wrote some bold realities about the love we can experience because of the love of God that He expresses towards people. Note these two verses that John wrote on the wonder of God's love. Just check these out. Everybody here knows them. First John chapter 4. We love because, what? God first loved us. And then in the third chapter of John, for God so loved the world he so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God made the first move. The love of God for people so compelled Him to make the first move in manifesting His love towards people that He came in the form of a baby. Of a baby. Yeah. Remember? He didn't come in sympathy. He came in identification. He could identify with us. That's how He came. Remember that from last week? The prophecies called Him Emmanuel, which of course means God with us. The God who loves us is the God who is with us in the person of Jesus. The God who loves us is the God who is with us in Jesus Christ. He came near to us because He wanted a relationship with us that would enable him to in turn love us love him back like he desires to be loved by his most precious creation human beings 
God made the move to choose Mary as the mother of his only begotten, in part because, well, she could be trusted with that task. She was trustworthy. But also because of the way Mary, I mean, she had to have loved God with all of her heart, all of her soul, all of her mind, all of her strength. She loved God back. He loved her first. She loved Him back with her life. God chose her to be the loving mother of Jesus, even though it was a startling moment, to say the least, when the message was conveyed to her by the angel Gabriel. Mary, who was called... Now think about this. How would you like to be called this by God? Highly favored. Mary was called highly favored by Gabriel. That must have been one who... She must have been a person who engaged in prayers, seeking the face of God, taking all her cares toward Him. She loved God with her life, it says. One of the most natural and one of the most normal ways that two beings who love one another cultivate that relationship is through the art and science of communicating with each other. A relationship finds deep, deep trouble when communication ceases to exist. Part of the nature of the character of God is that He longs to be in communication with and by those who, whom He loves. The infinite God wants to hear from the finite creation of humanity. Think about that. The infinite God, one of His greatest joys is to be in communication, to interact with the finite, breathed-on dirt creation called humanity. That's one of God's faves. And if we as humans are to have an authentic and growing relationship with God, we must be able to ask our questions, our curiosities of life before Him. Are we on board? We have to be able to... If we're going to have that loving relationship that everybody wants based in communication, then not only do we have His Word communicating to us, His Spirit communicating to us, we have the ability to communicate back to the divine with some of the stuff that just makes us scratch our heads. Yes? You can say amen. It's all right. Such questions of curiosity are simply not off-putting to God. They're just not. Rather, calling out to God to solicit a response from Him is what we see God inviting His people to do. Have you ever had one of your kids, if you have kids, um, sit on your lap or come up to you and just with utter innocence say, Why is the sky blue? That kind of question... Here's the thing we can really be happy about. When we go to God and say, why is the sky blue? He can actually tell you. Well, when I made it, I did this. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that lends itself to a certain amount of credibility. But when we're living life 
and life doesn't go the way that we think life should have gone, because, you know, we all see and project a plan ahead, right? This is what we're going to We're going to save X amount of money for retirement. We're going to do this. We're going to end up living in such and such a state just outside of a large town called blah, 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 etc., etc. And when life doesn't do that, we have questions because let's be honest. If the steps of the righteous are in fact ordered, none of that is error. Jeremiah 33 and 3, also known as God's phone number, J-E-R-333, is an invitation to make a call to God. Jeremiah 33.3. Notice what the prophet Jeremiah records from God about this part of God's nature and character in his letter. Listen to Jeremiah 33. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Do we default to our own understanding, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Do we default to our own mechanical methods of trying to figure life out, or when things aren't exactly where they should be, or when they're nowhere near where they should be, do we call on Him? Because He says, If you call, I will answer. This verse demonstrates that God desires for people to communicate with Him, like what Mary must have been in the practice of doing, to be called highly favored, to be trustworthy enough to carry and then bring into this world and then rear the only begotten Son of God. Call on Him with your questions and your curiosities in your times of daily prayer. Call on Him. This is where our love and our faith will grow as we ask and then we wait for God to respond. We live in a very fast-paced environment very fast-paced time in history. We ask a lot of things of God. The question is, is are we in the habit of waiting for the response? When we feel uncertain, when we feel perplexed, when we feel afraid, annoyed, defeated, discouraged and unsure about the next steps we are to take in our lives, we have an open invitation to call on Him as our Creator. God wants to hear from us. He wants us to share with Him in prayer whatever the questions, whatever your curiosities are that are occupying your lives, our lives. Whatever they may be, He wants them brought How many of you have experienced the Holy Spirit in that context where you are simply 
uncertain as to what to do, where to go, how to get it done, etc., etc., and you pray, and lo and behold, the one thing that you never would have conceived of in and of yourself miraculously shows up, and it's like that cartoon light bulb right above your head and the Holy Spirit is a lot of things. He's not a light bulb and he's nowhere in the Word of God referred to as such. But it's like that and you go, oh, that's the Lord. And you recognize it because he says of you, my sheep know my voice. God wants to hear from us. He wants us to share with Him in prayer whatever the questions and curiosities that are occupying our lives may be. He is approachable. God is approachable. You ever meet someone who's just not approachable? Well, they're just dirt that He breathed on too. And here we are, Him who is infinitely approachable. And he is also intimately concerned with connecting with us as one whom loves us. God wants us to reach out. God wants us to connect and convey and then wait to receive from him. We see this same part of God's nature and God's character being offered in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Uh, five through seven chapters notice what jesus says about communication uh, uh, the, the communication strategy with god and how it's supposed to yield a response check this out ask oh that's a good start unfortunately i think and i don't think it's intentional There's nothing dark or insidious about this. But I think there are times when we simply don't ask because we don't think about it. We don't think to ask Him. And ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or, if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, oh, that's nice. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Jesus is talking to the people about stepping closer, stepping closer into the desired relationship with God the Father that He created people to have with Him and enjoy it. He created that. Stepping closer to God through communication is exactly what Jesus' brother James invites uh, people to do in his letter. Look at James chapter 4. Check this out. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Drawing near is a relational step based in trust. As we draw near, 
We can communicate with God by asking about things that have been rolling around in our lives for maybe at some point a long time. Asking and expecting a response is not only normal, but according to Jesus, expecting the response after you ask is inevitable. He says, it will happen. And the reason is that He is the good Father. I don't know, but I'm thinking someone needs to write a song with that in it. The reason that we can count on the inevitability of a response from God is because He is the good Father. He wants. Which is, you can tell that this is fact based on how He established the creation. How it all started. God wants to give us good things. That's how it all started. And that's what He wants for us. When we ask, He will, in one way, shape, or form, give us good things. He wants to provide for us, and He wants to connect with us. He doesn't want to hurt those whom He loves with a response to our questions and petitions that would be detrimental. He's not going to do something that's mean and ugly and going to hurt you. He's not going to. Rather, He wants to respond in ways that will be life-giving. Because, why? He loves us. It's really fundamental theology. And He wants to hear from us as we come nearer to Him in our relationship with Him. The closer we draw, the more intimate we become. That is how relationships work. Whatever the relationship is, the closer we draw in, that's relationship, remember? Remember, this is trust relationally. The closer we draw, because if you don't trust someone, you don't get near them. You don't. But you trust those that you draw near to because you're losing any kind of safe distance or safe space. You're losing that. Even handshakes are at arm's length. And there was a reason for that in yesterday's century. But that's the thing. He will not do what is bad for us. No matter how we interpret it, He's not going to. There are three, uh, the three verbs that Jesus articulates in uh, this, these verses we've already read. Ask, seek, and knock. Those are verbs that talk about being intentional. So when you go to God, we need to go to God on purpose. Not haphazard. There's a purpose in it. And it will lead to a relational engagement with God. When we come to the point where we seek God for whatever questions or situations we have in our lives that we cannot comprehend or cannot put together in ourselves, we're asking, but if we do it with purpose, asking, seeking and knocking our purposeful actions that we pursue. We'll get there in just a second. The wonder of Christmas is about an intentional first move of love on by, uh, by God with the hope 
of a relational engagement among the people he came to rescue out of sin. These verbs are in a, and this is where I'm getting to, these verbs, ask, seek, knock, are in a very important tense linguistically in the original language that they come from. Ask, seek, knock, is a, they, that is said in a very important tense. They're in the present perfect tense. What that means is, is that the action that you're talking about, if it's in the present perfect, it happens, but it keeps on happening. Yes? What Jesus invites His followers to do is to pray... For God, uh, pray to God for discernment in a way that starts and doesn't stop. Jesus is saying, ask and keep on asking. Seek and continue to seek. Knock and keep knocking. Don't stop. As you do this, you are positioning yourself to receive a response. That response may be yes. That response may be no. Or that response may be not now. How many moms or dads in here, in your incredible depth of love for your children, said yes to everything they asked for? Not a hand in the house. How many of you said, on occasions, no? All kinds of hands. How many of you said, not now? Yeah. Do you realize where you get that? That's not original. You didn't come up with that. And no, you didn't sound like you're, you're nuts. Just because you do sound like your parents, they didn't get it original either. They got that from God. Why? Because just like you, which he put this trait and character into us, God wants to do the right thing and bless his children. Sometimes when we ask mom and dad, I want a rocket ship, the right answer isn't okay. That's not the right answer. You don't buy a Ferrari for your 16-year-old who just got their driver's license. They're going to wrap the Ferrari around a tree, and they may be getting buried themselves. Loving parents say, yeah, no. And that's how God works. And sometimes... When they ask for the car and they're 13, not now is acceptable. Regardless, Jesus invites us to more than just a passive, nonchalant, in-the-moment kind of prayer life. That's not what he's asking. Jesus invites us to be intentional about engaging in a process of understanding of receiving and of discernment. Ask, keep asking. Seek, keep seeking. Knock, keep knocking. And it doesn't always come in one or two prayers. 
How many of you have lived a life where prayers have gone for years before you actually understood the outcome? And that's okay. Because that's a not now. It's, it's, all this starts with intentional and active and consistent prayer, which is a communication mechanism with the heart of God. You want to deepen your relationship with God? Pray on purpose. When we are burdened with fears and anxieties, not unlike those feelings that Mary may have had when encountering the angel of the Lord, we can bank on that nature and that character of the Lord God who wants to hear from us regarding our anxieties. Life gets real, folk, and every one of us can understand that. Life gets real, and anxieties can happen. When that happens, take the time to ask and keep asking. He wants to hear from us, and He wants us to bring our fears to Him because He cares for us. And He deeply loves us. And remember what I said earlier. He loved us first. Now we get the opportunity to love God back relationally through communication with Him of our fears, our curiosities, our anxieties, anything else. Note what Peter says about this in his first letter. First Peter chapter 5, he said this, Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, (laughs) that's what's known as fine print, that we create. It's not really fine. It's just we cause this to be fine print. At the proper time, He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. At the proper time. Of all the disciples, Peter had experienced the anxiety of letting uh, Jesus down when he denied even knowing him the night that Jesus was betrayed. Peter knew the weight of that anxiety and the regret that came along with it. He also experienced the forgiveness and that deep love of Jesus when he was eating breakfast, breakfast with him on the shores of Galilee with the Savior after a long night of fishing. Jesus restored and conveyed a deep and healing love towards Peter that would ultimately launch Peter into a completely new chapter of ministry. If Peter can trust that kind of love after doing what he did, we can trust that kind of love. Amen? The love that God has for us is strong enough for our failures as well as our fears and our curiosities that we bring God in prayer and communication with Him. As the angel articulated to the shepherds in our text verse this morning, Jesus is the Savior who was born for all people. And we've talked about that regarding redemption over the past couple of weeks. That includes the people who would let Him down as well as cause him pain through our choices. We can, we, we can, we, because of the economy that Jesus established 
through redemption and subsequent salvation. We can come back after we've failed. Right? It's called repentance. We come back and then we reconnect with our repentant hearts and our repentant lives and be received by God. So much of Christianity walks around thinking that God's mad at them because of the the human things we do. When in reality, God has set up an economy where when we are human, and that's why we have grace, because, let's be honest, humanity was coming from way down the pike, but the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world was way further down the pike. That's God's way of setting up things. When we fail, He set up an economy where we get to come back with a repentant, humbled heart. And what does He do? He's the dad on the porch in the story of the prodigal son. He's the dad. Runs out, snatches up your filthy butt, and then while he's hugging you, looks over his shoulder and says, kill the fatted calf, get a robe, bring a ring. My son who was lost is now found. That's God's economy. thing is, is He just deeply loves us. And He wants to connect with us in a special way during this season. What would it look like? What would this look like? If you opened up your heart and your life to Jesus in a profoundly vulnerable way this Christmas, I'm probably going to be talking right now to anybody who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ and may be listening to this on the podcast or on a CD or something. What would it look like if you just got vulnerable and opened your life up to Him in a way that you've never even considered or maybe considered just never approached this Christmas? What if you made time sometime today to pour out your heart to the Lord and share with Him all that's on your heart and all that's on your mind. What if you surrendered to Jesus? What if you just raised the white flag and said, I'm done. I'm done. What if you surrendered to Jesus in a time of undistracted, intentional, purposeful prayer, the places in your soul where you're hurting, the places in your mind where you can't conceive an answer or see a direction, the questions that are circling up there, the fears that are paralyzing your progress. I don't know who you are, if you're sitting here or if you're listening later. I don't know who you are and what experiences you've had in your life, but I'm here to tell you from vast quantities, a massive well of experience, that if your fears and your questions and your doubts have paralyzed you in place, 
The God who first loved you is at the door of your heart and He is knocking, waiting for you to initiate a conversation that's on purpose and that's intentional to free up that paralyzing effect in your life. He's ready to go to war on your behalf. It's like that song we just sang. You know? I wake up. You've left already. You didn't tell me about it. You came back with the head of my enemy and you call it my victory. about those hopes and those dreams that you'd like to experience and see fulfilled? What about them? If you did something like that today, approach God on purpose, undisturbed, undistracted, you would be taking a relational step forward to the God who first loved you. Take a chance this Christmas and move towards the God who moved heaven and who moved earth to come near to us all in the person of Jesus Christ. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to hear from you. He wants to bless you. He wants to love you in a way that changes your life from inside out. Are you not curious at all about what such an engagement and interaction with that kind of loving Savior could ultimately mean for your life? The wonder of Christmas is waiting for you to experience, to be experienced this week, this, this season. Do you want to know how much Jesus loves you? He loves you so much that he actually told somebody one time. He said this. It was, it, it, it's just mind-blowing. He said, Do you not think that I couldn't call down ten legions of angels and raise this place to the ground? With a word, I could call ten legions. And guys, you just wouldn't know what hit you. (laughs) And that's true. But instead of that recourse, which was at his beck and call, instead of that recourse, what did he do? He went to the cross hung there for hours, died and was buried. And it wasn't ceremonious. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't ingratiating. It was humiliating. And he did it. And then what's he turn around and do? He says, you hide and watch. And he rises from the dead in glory and in power having eviscerated the darkness, 
having put sin on a cross and annihilated it eternally. And all the devil and his angels are waiting for now, all they're waiting for, and we know this to be the facts because when Jesus took a little boat ride over to the Gadarenes, what did the demoniac from Gadara say? Why have you come early? Why are you here now? You're not supposed to be here yet. And Jesus said, shut up. That's, what, that's how we know. They're just waiting to be punished. It's over for them. Jesus took it all to the cross and ended it. That's the God who loved you first. And He wants to save your life for all of eternity. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Take some time today, this week, before Sunday, in uninterrupted, purposeful, undisturbed prayer, and just lay it on the line with the Lord. You know what He'll do? I, I, I get these, these parental images. He'll go, come here. He picks you up, puts it right there. What do you need to talk about? That's what He does. That's what He's going to do. Father, we love You and we praise You and we exalt Your name in all the earth because You're God. And Father, we love You so much. But we love You because You first loved us. And Lord, I'm just asking right now in the name of Jesus that You would help every last one of us to intentionally move in to, to, to Your space. Get close. Because, Lord, we have that freedom. We have that liberty. Because you're the God who first loved us. We can love you back, but you initiated the whole thing. So, Father, we ask all this in Jesus' precious holy name. That you just minister right now. We're coming into this season. We've given thanks. We've celebrated that holiday. We've given thanks, and we are so thankful. But, Lord, we're going in to the season for which we are thankful. And, Lord, we, I just ask that you help us all, Lord, draw closer to you. Is there anyone here this morning who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Is there one, anyone at all? Because we will pray with you. We will seek the face of God with you, and we will usher you into His presence because He's just waiting for you to show up. He's done all the hard work. He's just waiting for you to show up. Is there anyone this morning? No one. All right. Tanner, will you bring that prayer request, and will you anoint that with oil? And we're going to pray over Kelly. Three weeks worth of the flu. <laughs> Melissa, since we're talking about this subject, Melissa is doing better and better and better all the time. She wanted to be here this morning. That didn't work out. We're looking for next week. So, just remember, and I, I, this, is the, this is the bummer of it all, just remember, her infusion has compromised her immune system, so she's going to be masked up 
And if you're not feeling well, wave from across the sanctuary. Okay? Don't, call, don't snuggle up next to her, please. Anybody, please. I just ask that because I'd kind of like to keep her out of the hospital and near me if I can pull that off. Amen? All right. With that said, Tanner, will you lead us in prayer over this prayer request, please? Let's bow our heads right now. Amen. We also would like to uh, remember a few other names this okay. morning, uh, such as Gary Calloway, uh, Rella Calloway's husband. Uh, we want to remember Jerry Miles. We want to remember Mike Bolware recovering. Yep. Uh, let's remember, like you said, Pastor Melissa and also Angela Williams uh, as she's going uh, through this time with a transplant on the way. Yes. Uh, so if you would, let's uh, stretch your hand up here this way. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. And how about you just start calling some of these names Father, out? Father, we just ask right now in Jesus' thank name you, Lord. that you minister to Gary. And that, Father, you Jesus, we right now come Jesus before name. you this morning. And Father, that you God, we're encouraged by the word. Our spirits life. are lifted by the worship and all this Jerry. faith that has been accumulated this morning. I pray Father, would press forward towards the needs of this list of people. God, I ask right now that your Holy Spirit would be sent directly straight to the homes or the locations of each and every one of these individuals. God, we call out uh, Sister Kelly. Sister Kelly Sims, Lord, I pray that the flu would leave her body in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, that you would rid every every single cell of, of that from her body in Jesus' name, that she would feel uh, the healing process starting right now, that she would feel the recovery begin to take place in this moment in Jesus' name. God, we ask right now that you would give comfort to the Callaways. God, I pray that you would minister to every one of their needs, Lord, that you would continue the work you've started in Jerry. God, that you would continue the recovery in Mike. God, we got a praise report with Angela with that tumor being gone, and we give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name, continued progress. God, continued progress with Pastor Melissa. Lord, your church is not dying. Your church is not suffering. Your church is not falling away, Lord. You are being faithful to complete the good works that you've started. And right now, as Calvary Worship Center, we stand confident in the fact of this, that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And we just plead the blood over every single one of these uh, of these saints, Lord, and of this congregation. Lord, we just plead the blood right now. By your stripes, we are healed. God, this was provided for 2,000 years ago. And there's not a demon headed to hell that can take that away. And Lord, we just completely, we commit this to you. We commit this to you. Somebody let some faith rise. I need somebody to pray. Come on, these are saints uh, suffering in their body. God, I pray right now, right now, right now that you would send your Holy Spirit to rid any evil spirit that might be tormenting their mind. Fear, you have to go in Jesus' name. I pray right now that...